This morning was, uh, I must admit, a little bit chaotic. Um, uh, it was a great, great morning, but um, very, very different. So we didn't manage to get through church news. We didn't manage to take the offering. We didn't manage to share about India, which we'd planned to do. We had a nice little PowerPoint presentation. We had everything ready to go. We didn't do any of that stuff. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to leave the, uh, the Indian news. We're going to do that maybe next week or the week after we see um, how it goes, just to try and stay a little bit in sync um, with the morning morning meeting. Um, just to say, myself and Alid, we had a brilliant time. Um, just great, great opportunity really to bless the church, build friendship, um, and catch up with what's going on um, with Praveen and Jennifer um, and the church out there. We're going to continue our preach series, Strengthening Yourself in God. So if you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to 1 Thessalonians? Um, We're going to be uh, looking at that passage um, in detail. This is the third of four sessions um, that I am doing in preaching my way um, through this. We've also got midweek meetings on Tuesday lunchtimes and one on Friday morning um, at 6am for those that are um, just want to take the teaching a little bit further. And I want to encourage you to come along to that if you haven't had chance to do that yet. I felt particularly this morning very, very enabled by God in my preaching. And uh, I want God's grace again now. So could I ask you, it's a bit of an odd thing, can I ask you to pray for me right now that God will enable me with the Holy Spirit to do that? So if you're all right, I'll receive it. You stretch out your hands and pray your best prayer that God will anoint me to preach effectively um, this evening. Father, we absolutely love what you're about, and we love worshipping you. We thank you so much for your presence earlier today, and I ask you, Lord, that you will be um, as evident and working during the preach as you clearly were during the worship. I pray, will you enable me with the Holy Spirit? I pray, Lord, that I will not be distracted, be able to to stay focused and clear-minded. And I ask you for our hearts to be open and uh, receiving for your word, I pray. I ask that in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. This this, uh, series is very much birthed out of my own personal journey um, over the last 12 months. And uh, I really hope and pray that as I share the third of the four sessions, um, it will be helpful to you. It will be provoking to you. I know as a leader that I cannot lead you anywhere where I have not been myself. So for, for us to head somewhere together, I need to, I only have to be half a step ahead, fortunately. <laughs> But I I need to have experienced something of this and put something of this into practice um, if I'm going to speak with the authority, um, I believe, and the anointing that I hope I will do um, this evening. 
So the first time, the first thing in this series we looked at was about knowing that if we're to be a people that guard our hearts, if we're to be a people that strengthen ourselves in God, there are certain things that we need to know. That's what I looked at in the first session, straight in the new year. I mean, that seems a long time ago now, doesn't it? First Sunday of the new year, five weeks ago. Then a couple of weeks ago, I looked not at knowing, I looked at believing. Well, this evening, we're going to be looking at the whole, whole area of speaking and how powerful the words are that we use to bring change and transformation, either for the better or for the worse. It says in Proverbs, and the words won't come up for this little verse behind me, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. The message says it like this, words kill, words give life, they're either poison or fruit you choose. Well, that's powerful, isn't it? Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. The words we use are extremely powerful. They have a significant impact on those around us, but actually they have a significant impact on our own souls. The words we speak out don't just affect those around us, they actually affect what goes on in the inside, in, in the end affecting what we truly believe. They affect how we will act. They, they, they ha- just have an impact. They are massively powerful. I mean, words can cause a whole group of men to climb over the trenches and run to certain death. Words can inspire to that extent. Words can so fill people with fear that rather than climbing over the front and running into gunfire, they turn and run the other way. Words are powerful. Words can set an individual up to uh, greatness. They can bring transformation to a church. They can even change a nation. Words are powerful, powerful things. They can bring strength and confidence or they can tear down and destroy. Their fruit can last for years. So there will be people here today, and you still remember words that were said over you decades ago, either for good and for blessing, or for harm and destruction. And that's just the words we use in the natural. But we as Christians, we have the words of life. We have the truth. The unshakable truth, the word of God. Imagine how incredible our words are with the Holy Spirit living in us as well. If just in the natural, our words can be so powerful. Imagine what it's like for us, those that profess Christ, those that are united with him, those that are seated with him in heavenly places, those that are led by the Holy Spirit, those who know. Because God has revealed it to us from his word. Imagine how powerful our words are. Let's read 1 Thessalonians 5. And I just want to pick out um, two verses right in the middle. I want to read from verses 16 through to verse 22. And this is what the Apostle Paul says to the church in Thessalonica, or something like that. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this 
is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now, we're not going to take these uh, commands in order. I'm going to mix them up to suit what I want to say or suit where I want to take it. Mm, Didn't quite sound right, did it? So I'm going to take them out of order, but it's still going to work and it's still faithful to Scripture. I just want to start by saying, though, that the things I'm going to talk to you about today, and they're going to be four speaking things that Paul commands the church to do. You'll notice he doesn't give any caveats. He doesn't say if you feel like it. He doesn't say those sorts of things. These are very direct, very punchy. These are commands. This is a thing we are supposed to do with our mouths because our words are powerful. But it's set in the context of a community of people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. Because actually these are completely unreasonable commands if we're to just do it by gritting our teeth, trying really hard and hope we get to the finish line. We are a community of people that have been filled with the Holy Spirit. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living within us. And so we can speak, he can command with confidence, knowing he's not left us just to try really, really hard, but he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You'll notice that little phrase right in the the middle of the passage. He says, do not quench the Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. Now, I believe that he's talking about despising um, prophecy, but I think it's also linked to thankfulness. It's also linked to rejoicing. It's also linked to prayer. That these things set a context for the Holy Spirit to move in your life. They set a context for the Holy Spirit to move in your life. So I'm going to take these four things and we'll see where we go. So the first one, speaking, thanksgiving. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now, this is totally unreasonable. I mean, we're we're all pretty good. I'm pretty certain that all of us are good at giving thanks. Either when we've received something we really like, or if stuff's rolling well for us. If if we're on a good roll, giving thanks is something that, that most of us, it will come relatively natural to us. But Paul doesn't limit it like that. This is what makes it completely unreasonable. This is why we need the Holy Spirit, because he says we're to give thanks in all circumstances. It's a very challenging command. But the basis for this command is the fact that we follow an abundant, generous God. And as we thank God, we recognize what he has given us and we open ourselves up to enjoy it. So even in spite of difficult circumstances, there are always things that we can thank God for because he's a good and he's a generous father. Thanksgiving honors God and our relationship with him, expressing our trust in his goodness. So as we give thanks, it's actually a faith thing. It's linked to us believing God, believing his goodness, believing his promises, but I'm going to thank you, God. So on the one hand, you might be thinking, this is really difficult, this circumstance. But on the other, we start to take an inventory of his goodness and his grace and his blessing. I think, no, I'm going to let my mouth overflow with thanksgiving because I have a good father and I trust him. Romans 1.21 comes with a warning. It says, this is talking about people who do not know Jesus. 
It's talking about the fall. It's talking about how mankind got further and further away from God. And it says this, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Being a thankful people keeps our hearts open towards God. It keeps our minds in a place where we can receive from him. It just keeps us open. It keeps us, in a sense, focusing his way. So if God is over here, as I thank God, I keep facing him. I'm opening myself up to receive more from him. I'm setting a platform for his goodness to flow into my life. But when I close down on thankfulness... I stop recognizing all he is, all he's doing, who he, is to, who he is to me. And I start to close down and I turn away from him. I, God, I think, loses an opportunity. Although he's God, he can do what he wants. I think we lose an opportunity to receive from him. It's not that we give thanks for every bad situation. It's not that. But it's that we give thanks in spite of every bad situation. We don't thank God that we're suffering or things are going wrong. But there is so much to give thanks to our God for. Bill Johnson says this, As I give thanks for the good gifts he has put in my life, I present convincing evidence that he is my father, he is for me, and his opinion pretty much cancels out all others. Thanksgiving lays a platform for me to experience the manifest presence of God. I often find that my times with God just start in a very simple way. I give thanks to him. This isn't dependent on feeling or circumstance. We start giving thanks. I want to encourage you, be a people that starts every day writing an inventory of God's goodness to you. Just writing down a list. You can do it in your heart, do it in your mind. Driving to work. Having a shower. Just listing out how good God is to you. I tell you, it will change your day. It will change your day. It protects your heart. It's a tool we can use to strengthen ourselves in God, giving thanks. It is a powerful weapon. The second thing we're to do is to rejoice. You know, thanksgiving for me often steps into rejoicing. As I thank God, it creates a platform for me to step up. So I'm thanksgiving down here. It creates a platform for me to step into rejoicing. It takes me from one step up to the next step. In actual, for, in actual fact, Hillary told me that in the Greek, it has the same root word. The thanksgiving and the rejoicing have the same root word. They, they come from the same uh, school of thought, I guess. Again, this is really challenging because, again, and, and Paul is completely unreasonable because he says rejoice. Just in case some of you aren't certain on this, I'm going to give... I'm going to give you another chance. You're to rejoice. Oh, dear. You're you're not convinced yet. I'm definitely needing a bit more from the back half of the auditorium here. So what does Paul say with a rejoice? 
Ah, oh, much, much better. Good. Good. Yes. <laughs> That's all right, Rose. <laughs> We'd rejoice always. Completely unreasonable. You might think, actually, if you knew what was going on, you uh, going on in my life, you wouldn't ask me. You wouldn't say this. You wouldn't preach it. I, I'd, I'd just like to encourage you. Read the letter to the church at Philippi. Paul wrote it. And on one side of a piece of paper, just write down all the things Paul was struggling with. Then write down on the other half of it all the things Paul rejoices and gives thanks for. It is very, very challenging. Paul didn't just say it. He did it. He even thanked God that there were Christians preaching the gospel to try and get him in trouble while he's in prison. He rejoices in the fact that other Christians, and you're thinking, this isn't people that, you know, this is people who should, you know, should be on the same side, are trying to get, but he manages, he rejoices in that. Joy is an emotion. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. We cannot directly just be joyful, but we can rejoice. And if you're not very joyful, I'd encourage you to put rejoicing into practice because it will affect your joy. It will. You know, we're told in the Bible to rejoice with our whole bodies. We're worshippers of God. We're to be those that praise him. If you read the Psalms, you'll see that they sing, they dance, they shout, they clap their hands, they raise their hands, they pray, they kneel, they lay face down on the floor. It's a whole body thing. Now, I know we can all respond differently. I know we're all wired in different ways. You know, I'm, I'm just an introvert. I, I don't really like to express on the outside what's going on in the inside. You just don't get that in the Bible. Praise and worship to God always comes out on the outside. You may say, well, it's just not very British. If you're in Africa or maybe in India, it's much, you know, we, we are much, much more, um, they're much more expressive over there. We, we were not expressive in the, the UK. You watch it when Sturridge scores a goal. 18 to 30-year-old men jumping up and down and clapping, a standing ovation. He gets a standing ovation, clapping, jumping, shouting, screaming, singing at the opposing fans. The UK has no problem with celebration. It's just the church. Our culture has no problem in celebrating. It's the church that has a problem. I want to encourage you. Church should be the most joyful place in Hastings and 1066 country because we have the greatest hope. And I want to encourage you, break down barriers. Do not settle for the ceiling you have set yourself in when it comes to expressing your love and devotion to Jesus Christ. I can remember as an 18-year-old, I was probably one of the shyest 18-year-olds that has ever been invented by God. Ollie Butcher would know that, a friend of mine. Is that not true, Ollie? Good. Good. 
Five are coming to you later. <laughs> there were times in the praise and worship, by the way, we danced well. Okay, dance isn't an over-exaggeration. There was a lot more jumping up and down when I was younger than there is now. We knew something of what it was to praise God with our whole being, our, our, our whole bodies. I can remember times when there were joyful songs going on and I was stood there doing my best, best to clap and look slightly happy. And if you, you may know her, she's still in the church, Judy Wales would come up, give me a big jab in the ribs and tell me to dance. She used to tread on Anthony Hilda's toes, if you know Anthony, and say, if you don't dance, I'm going to stamp on your feet. I may ask her to start doing the same thing again. Physical obedience brings spiritual breakthrough. We're designed that way. God has actually designed us. If you go for a run, or no, that may not be the case for all of you. For me, if I go for a run, I feel better afterwards. The exercise has actually done something. It's released something. I feel better. So actually the physical impacts what's going on mentally and it affects, where my, uh, affects my soul as well. So you don't have to always have the emotion in order to obey God and celebrate his goodness and his grace. Actually, I can celebrate my way into a place of feeling it. Do you remember Katia Adams? Some of you would have been there. She spoke about a really difficult time in her life and she wrote down all the lies that she had been believing on a piece of paper. She put it on the floor. She put on a worship CD and she praised and worshipped God until she actually felt like what she was doing. She praised herself into the presence of God. Praise, rejoicing is a powerful weapon, church. I want to encourage you to break through ceilings, to be more exuberant. Now, some of you physically aren't able to do that. I know. Do the best. Do the best you can. So it's not meant to be a, something that makes you feel bad, but actually most of us here, can be more expressive in our praise and worship to God than we actually are. And he is worth it. Is he not? He's worth it. He is worth the best that we have got to give. Right actions release right emotions and right thinking. Right actions release right emotions and right thinking. And it works the other way as well. That's the way we're designed. And it's called as well a sacrifice of praise. It took me about five years to break through, so I just didn't think about what other people thought of me as I jumped up and down. I mean, that's about the extent of what I can do. I'm not gifted. Steve Young, however, he's not here. Steve Young, now he can move. Anyway, we won't even go into that. But it is, it, it, they call it a sacrifice of praise. That it costs us something. I want to encourage you. We want to break through in these things. In difficult times, we give praise solely because we are convinced that knowing Him is the reason to rejoice. Our goal should be to sustain thanksgiving and praise until our whole being is alive with His presence. You keep going and going and going until my whole being is alive with the presence of God. 
One, as a youngster, one of the things I learned was I will praise God in my room on my own. I will put a CD on and I will jump up and down and I will raise my hands and I will lie on the floor. I will worship my king. I will worship my God. What I do in the private comes through in the public. I want to encourage you to do the same. Cut out, carve out time to meet with him. So I challenge you, take enough time each day to look past your problems long enough to give an extravagant expression of praise and rejoicing to your God. Take enough time. Why? He is worthy. Not because we have to, but because we get to. I come into his presence knowing I will not be turned away. Thirdly, speaking, praying. This is a real toughie. Pray without ceasing. One of the things I love about this church is we are so prayerful. We've got it in our DNA. There was a, there was a time when we used to pray every Sunday morning, pretty much every Sunday night, and every other Saturday morning as well, just for good measure. I think that's why, partly, just why we are as we are today, because because we are a praying community. This morning we had the joy of praying at 7 o'clock in the morning. We had 35 people here. It was stunning. We had prophetic words. We connected with God in worship. There was a prophetic word about God's presence falling like snow. As the prophetic word was finishing, snow started falling. I then prayed to God because I didn't want to stop people coming to church. Lord, please, could it just be a little bit of snow? We don't want to stop anyone coming to the morning meeting. Even in that, God was really good to us and he covered our back. I want to encourage you, come and pray corporately. Join church and pray. We pray every Sunday morning, pretty much, apart from certain holidays. We pray once a month, midweek evenings. We have weeks of prayer every term. I'd love it if if this church is home for you. I'd love you to engage in the corporate prayer life of the church at least once a month. Now, I know you're busy people and I know you've got a lot on. But as we pray, we are expressing humility to God. We're saying, God, I need your help. God, I cannot do it on my own. Actually, if you're a prayerless person, you're probably quite an arrogant person. Because you think you can do it on your own. Pray without ceasing. It says in Jude one twenty, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. The one who speaks in tongues builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. I'll be a prayerful community. Find space to pray to God. Carve out space to seek him in the morning or in the evening. Find us time, but also just pray without ceasing. Offer up bullet prayers all over the place. In the car, in the workplace. Pray into situations. Just ask for God's intervention. Bring him into the situations you find yourself in. And then lastly speaking, prophesy. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. This wasn't in my original notes, but as I read the passage, I thought it should be, because it's there. Four speaking things, I had five, 
for speaking things that help guard our heart to strengthen ourselves in God. When I pray in tongues, I strengthen myself. When I prophesy, I strengthen the church. That's what it should do anyway. And Paul says, do not despise prophecies. It is so easy to do. You see, the risk is that we lose our hunger to hear God's voice. We lose our desire for that now word of God. Whether it's through Bible reading or the prophetic, we mustn't despise prophecy. You know, whether it's you're reading the Bible and it's as though God highlights something to you and it makes it live. Have you got, have you got some of those verses in your own life? Have you got those verses you are living with where God has spoken them into you? They mean something to you. Maybe areas you find challenging or difficult. And God has given you promises that counteract that. Do you, do you have some of those sort of staple foundational verses which God has made live to you? And in times of difficulty, I go back there because it's a foundation to me. We, we should have those. Do you have verses from the Bible that you're living with, you take to work with you? Different seasons, different verses. This is life to us, where God has highlighted it. Have you got prophetic words where people have prophesied over you, bringing direction for your life and shape for the future? Have you got those prophecies that you hold on to? I have. When it gets too much, when I feel I cannot go on, I've got words, I've got prophecies that I can go back to saying, no, this is the direction God has set for me. I'm going to, as it were, I'm heading this way. God, until you say something different, this is the direction I'm heading. Have you got those? Words are powerful. We need to test it. I mean, we had Julian and Katia with us, Katia and Adams with us. They were brilliant. They, didn't they open us up to something more of God? Yeah, they did with me anyway. I thought they were great. But, but they're not perfect. They prophesy in part. Not everything they said over the weekend was right. Not every prophecy was spot on. But, but they keep going. And you, you, you weigh it, you hold fast to what is good. So if you don't want to despise prophecy, if you want to honor prophecy, you've got to hold fast to what is good. I'm going to hold on to it and I'm not going to let go. I'm not just going to let it drift off into the back of my mind to be forgotten. When was the last time... (laughs) I nearly fell off the stage this morning. Nearly just fell off the stage again now. And it's higher up this one. When was the last time God spoke to you? When was the last time you heard his voice? He wants to speak to you today. He does. I've got a father in heaven. I speak to him and he speaks to me. It's how relationship works. Now, it's saying we've got to grow in, maybe be discipled in, some practical tools to help us. But, But that's a relationship we have with our Father. As we give thanks, as we rejoice, 
as we pray, as we prophesy and receive prophecy, we guard our hearts. We strengthen ourselves in God. Each is a different tool in the tool belt that we can use as we look to strengthen ourselves in God. They've just been given to us. But they're no use in the tool belt. They've got to come out and be used when they're needed. Starting our days with thanksgiving. Rejoicing in spite of problems. Receiving prophecy to strengthen us. Praying through. I remember Sheila, you shared a testimony a little while ago, and I think it was based on Philippians chapter 3 or 4. Four. I just cannot remember now what it, how it kicks off. Yeah, that's it. Do not be anxious about anything, but with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Praying, thanking. Philippians is full of rejoicing. These are such powerful weapons in our hands as we put them into practice. Why don't we stand? We haven't got as much time this evening as we had this morning, but I think God was doing different stuff in the worship um, this evening. We we didn't get to enjoy um, this morning. So we trust him in that. Some of us, maybe all of us, if we're honest, just aren't thanking God enough for his goodness or rejoicing in who he is and what he's done. Why don't we just do a bit of business with God ourselves? If you feel particularly that is you, why don't you uh, just raise your hands and... uh, Just pray to your father. Pray to your daddy in heaven. And uh, if that's the case, confess it. Say, Father, I'm, I'm sorry. I haven't always, I don't always give thanks to you as I should. That so often I let my problems get bigger than the solutions you offer. Why don't you just do a bit of business with your father yourself?